podcast i'm your host isaiah copan it's may 7 2021 and this is lift and learn episode 34 in this episode i'll be breaking down how to grow your butt i'll give you a few techniques to do there and it's really pretty simple and i'll also talk about what doms is and how you can reduce its effect on your body before that though i'll talk a bit about what i've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So this week I'm finally back home. After a three night quarantine at a hotel and 10 days at an Airbnb that I also had to pay for, I'm finally back home. I missed my iMac and my backyard so much, even though I've only managed to go back there once this week since it rained the whole week. My first order of business when I got home, since I talked about it so much, was watching Life in Color on Netflix, finally. David Attenborough's voice is just so soothing, and since it was all about color, it just talked about how animals use colors in the wild to attract a mate, or hide from their enemies, or predators, or whatever, and it was pretty cool. It was actually pretty uh, mesmerizing in the first episode, which was how the peacock, how the peacock basically puts on a show to their potential mate with their tail of feathers, and how basically most birds uh, do a similar thing. It's an interesting watch, and I'll always recommend a nature documentary. Besides that show, though, uh, my week was pretty uneventful. We're still in lockdown here, but I did manage to book my first vaccine shot, which is sometime next week. And the problems with my car have finally been solved. It took me a few days to figure it out, but in the end, I got the trunk open and basically crawled through to the front uh, to the front of the car. Then, since I was able to get into the car, it was pretty straightforward. I popped the hood, and then I just had to find a way to jumpstart the car since it was stuck in the garage for the past few months. And thankfully, my uncle pulled through for me in the clutch. Of course, he had the mobile jumper cables or whatever, uh, and my car was back to life. Then I just drove around for an hour after that, Felt so different compared to driving an SUV for the past five months. I just had to go on a quick joyride, especially since there was only one day this week where it was even decent outside. So I've been home for the week, but I've only managed to go on a real walk outside one day this week since it rained constantly, like I said, but it was nice to get the views again, or to see the views again, sorry. I miss nature and just being outside, so hopefully I can uh, be outside more next week. Shoulder update, things are still pretty painful. At first, things like putting on a shirt or sweater were pretty difficult and nearly impossible, but 
I've gotten the hang of that and that kind of pain is easier to avoid as long as I take my time. Some big issues I had this week with my shoulder was uh, one time I dropped uh, one of my clementines on the floor and when I went to pick it up real quick with my bad side, yeah, that one stung for about a minute or so, so I have to try to remember that I'm still injured. I also had some difficulty putting on my car seat belt with my left hand. I know, fascinating stuff, right? Well, that was hard for me to do, and that was also another stinger for like another minute or so. Other than that, not much else happened to me. I plan on starting more serious workouts, though, this Sunday. I haven't been doing anything structured for about three weeks now, so it was a good break, but I'm going to go back into my workouts slowly. I'm thinking about doing full body workouts for the most part, especially since I can only work out one side of my upper body now along with legs. So I'm going to be working on my lower body, mobility throughout my whole body, going for my usual walks and doing some core work and maybe I can really nail the technique of doing a one hand push up finally since I only have my right hand to work with right now. But I can still do things like shoulder press or bicep curls or rolls with my right side, so I'll be doing that for a few more weeks. And studies do actually show that if you're injured on one side of the body, let's say the left if we use me for example, so if you're injured on your left arm and that's inactive for a while, you'll obviously lose muscle on that injured side. Well, studies have shown that if I were to work out my right arm or the right side of my upper body, you actually wouldn't lose as much muscle on your left side as you would if you were to just do nothing or stop working out altogether. So since the weather will start to warm up soon, I'm going to give those workouts a try and see how that works. In terms of rehab for my left shoulder, I've been slowly working on small movements, like really small but I still have to be really careful raising my arm. I'm going to take the process really slowly, and I'll listen to my body and see how it feels and not force anything too crazy. Even doing something simple like a body weight, like whatever, how much my arm weighs, but even just like a body weight left, uh, left side lateral raise, it's pretty painful. Like I can't even get to parallel at that point. Anyways, did you uh, happen to see what happened in hockey this week? So, infamous NHL goon, Tom Wilson, and he's on the Washington Capitals. They played against the New York Rangers earlier this week. So, during their game, I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was sometime after the whistle. Tom Wilson ended up punching this guy in the back of the head while his head was basically face down on the ice. Of course, that started a huge brawl. And then Artemi Panarin, who used to be on the Blackhawks, was standing up for his teammate. Unfortunately, Panarin isn't much of a fighter, so Wilson got the most of that exchange and punched him again while he was already down. Another cheap shot. So, of course, Tom Wilson's going to get suspended, right? Seeing how he already has prior offenses when it comes to this sort of thing. Well, he actually doesn't get suspended. And then the next day, the Rangers came out with an official tweet or letter or something where they wanted the head of all the safety, uh, safety, the head of safety stuff fired, which is this guy, George Peros. 
And this guy made a career of being a brawler out there. And apparently he basically runs the whole NHL safety department by himself. Of course, he sided with the fighter in this scenario, and apparently, Peros and Tom Wilson are actually friends outside of the NHL, so it's no surprise that he didn't suspend him, just gave him a little fine. And then the NHL, as a counter to the Rangers' tweet asking them to fire Peros, they gave the franchise a $250,000 fine, which is even more hilarious. Especially since the league has been trying to say that they're going to protect their players and get these unnecessary fights and scuffles out of the game. Yeah, right. Then the next morning, I think this was uh, before their rematch game, the owner of the Rangers ended up firing the president and the GM. So you already know it's going down over there. And during the rematch, of course, three fights started as soon as they dropped the puck, so... It's been an interesting week for the Rangers, to say the least. And uh, what else happened this week? Bill and Melinda Gates are going through a divorce, so that's another billionaire couple deciding to go their separate ways. I think in this case, though, it seemed to be a pretty peaceful breakup, unlike the whole Jeff Bezos or Bezos situation. I even end up Googling more information about the Bezos... How do we even say that last name? Bezos divorce, you know, the head of uh, Amazon, and his ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott, she's already married to somebody else, and I'm not going to lie, he kind of looks like uh, Bezos in a way, uh, I don't even know if I'm butchering his name right now, and by that I just mean they're bald and white, but congrats to them. She's also now donated over $4 billion or something of the $100 billion, or however much, however much she got from the split. So she's definitely putting some of that money to good use, which is rare to see from people who have that much money. Question 1. How to grow your butt? This question was from one of my female clients, of course, since most of them want to grow a larger butt or they want their butt to have more shape to it. If you've been lifting for a bit and haven't been noticing much changes when it comes to the shape of your butt, and you've been squatting or deadlifting pretty consistently for a while now, or maybe you've been watching too many fitness influencers doing their high sets and high reps of exercises like glute kickbacks, then it could be time to switch your focus up a little bit, and that could be done in a few ways. If you've been working out for a while while doing your squats or deadlifts, then maybe what you need to work on is warming up or preparing for your workouts a bit differently. If you notice that your squats or deadlifts or whatever exercises aren't really hitting your glutes, maybe they're building up your quads or hamstrings instead, then it might be time to look at your warm-up and switch it up a tiny bit. Now, you should already be doing dynamic stretches in your warm-up, but what could also help you in this case would be something along the lines of pre-activating your glutes with some exercises. Now, this means before your actual workout, you're doing movements that will engage your glutes beforehand. This could help you feel your certain exercises in your glutes a little bit more, and could also help you develop more of a mind-to-muscle connection with that area. Now, this won't happen overnight, but constant practice doing pre-activation glute exercises like glute bridges, 
dog peas, and maybe something a little more intense like Bulgarian split squats done properly with no weight. So that could be one area where you need to switch up your focus. So before your compound movements, it would be a good idea to pre-activate your glutes in this scenario. But really, this is useful information even for other body parts as well. So if you're trying to build up your chest more, it would also be a good idea to pre-activate that area before hitting it on the bench press or something like that. Okay, now back to the glutes. So you've done the pre-activation techniques and your dynamic stretches, and now you're going to have to go do your compound movements first. So here's where the focus on form has to come into play a little bit as well. I know it's weird at first, but if you're by yourself working out at home or at the gym, then you might want to record yourself at least a few times to see how your form is. Because more often than not, your form could be the problem. If you're squatting and you're unstable, and maybe don't have that range of motion to get into a nice deep squat, at least a parallel, if not a tiny bit more. If you don't have that range of motion, then you're missing out on a lot of possible glute activation as well. At the bottom of a squat, your glute, or your glute muscles, are being stretched out, and when you're coming out of the squat, that's when the muscles contract. And they fully contract at the top of the movement. Now, both stretching and contracting the muscle are important when it comes to building a certain body part, and studies have shown that pretty much every exercise, and especially when it comes to the squats, that you benefit from doing a more full range of motion. So, a focus for you here might be to work on that squat form and find out what the main problem is. And that could mean lightening the weight. That also likely means mobilizing the hips and ankles in order for you to achieve your perfect squat form. It's going to uh, require a bit of work there when it comes to fixing squat form, and it could take months or years, but that should be at least a few minutes of training and practice whenever you have the time. Okay, so we got the pre-activation exercises, which would be first, then check your form on exercises to make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck when it comes to doing something like squats and reaping the glute building benefits from that. So the third focus you might want to also think about has to do with form as well. But this is already assuming that your squat is as perfect as it can be for your body type. So if we're talking about the squat, a little tweak that you can make would be to try pointing out your toes when you're doing them. Maybe a little bit more than you usually would, and that may help you target the glutes as well depending on your bone and body structure. Another exercise when it comes to building the glutes would be deadlifts. More specifically, a sumo stance variation could hit them real good. So when you're in a sumo stance, you have a wide stance where your toes are pointed out. And comparing it to a conventional deadlift that uses a lot of lower back involvement, in a sumo stance, you're going to be targeting your glutes a lot more since your stance is wide, toes are pointed out, and that causes you to be in a deeper squat-like position as you do the movement where you're pulling the weight off of the floor. And I said it earlier, hip thrusts are also a great one to do. This is probably the best exercise when it comes to building the glutes. Brett Contreras probably gets the most credit here when it comes to making this one a staple today in the glute building process that everybody's after. 
even though I still rarely see it being done by women who want to grow their glutes. That could probably be uh, due to the fact that it involves you humping the air. But if you just get over that and maybe find an area where you can do it kind of isolated from everybody else, then this one is a great one to incorporate in your glute building routines as well. And that's because when you're doing hip thrusts, you can load it heavy once you get the hang of it. And it really does target the glutes specifically because you're thrusting up the weight and squeezing up the glutes as hard as you can at the top of the movement. Adding to that, if you want to target the glute even more during this exercise, or the squats actually, then you can have a band around your knees and then actively spread out your knees while thrusting or squatting. That'll help target even more glute medius and could give you that shape on the sides. So basically you'll see your butt kind of stick out from the sides even when you're just facing forward. And if you're at home, I think the easiest exercises you can do uh, that could challenge you would be any kind of lunge variation as well. That's because lunges are pretty similar to a squat. You're bending at the knee. That explosion from the bottom of the movement, uh, that's going to be important when it comes to growing the glutes. So walking lunges are great to do, or even back step lunges or front step lunges. Uh, a little bit more difficult would be doing something like Bulgarian split squats with added load if you need it. For me, this is a movement that I definitely feel in my glutes as I try to build mine up a little bit as well. Another focus when it comes to your exercises could be just focusing on lifting heavy and adding more weight to the bar. Safely, of course. That means tracking your workouts and trying to move more weight. Don't just go into your workout and do the same thing over and over again. Like doing 45 or 95 pound squats every single time. Or, oh, I heard that doing 10 to 15 reps will help me grow my butt or muscles. And while that could be true, you eh, it could grow a little bit more since that's like the hypertrophy rep range. But if you're doing that all the time, then you kind of lose its benefits. So it could be time to work on getting stronger and lifting more weight. Maybe doing 3 to 8 reps per exercise. Now, track what you're doing and see if you're getting stronger. If your form's staying perfect and you're getting stronger, then there's a really good chance that you're building muscle. And it's also good to switch up your programming once in a while so your body doesn't become stagnant with progress or plateau. So maybe try switching up your programming and completely focus on increasing the amount of weight you can squat. Try doing squats where you're challenging yourself to squat heavier, but not so heavy that you're sacrificing form, and see how that changes your body. If you stick to a solid program like that for a few months, I guarantee that that'll translate to bringing up any body part, especially your glutes. So like I said, try doing those pre-activation techniques to help you feel the exercises in your glutes. And when it comes to doing your exercises, track your progress, make sure your form is as perfect as possible, and get stronger consistently over time. That should ensure that you'll be growing the proper muscles in the right area. Question 2. What is DOMS? So if you've ever done a workout, and since I just finished talking about it, let's say you do lunges as an exercise during your workout. 
then the day after, or maybe two or three days after, you feel sore in your legs or your glutes, for example, maybe to the point of not even being able to move your legs or even walk without soreness. That's what DOMS is. It's that muscle soreness feeling after you work out. And if you don't frequently work out, and then you do manage to work out, this may be more common for you to experience. Alright, so first off, DOMS stands for Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness, D-O-M-S. Now, most people believe, and I used to believe this up until a few years ago, most people still believe that DOMS is actually from lactic acid buildup. And there's actually no evidence that this is the case, even though most people believe that to be the problem. The actual cause is just due to eccentric muscle contractions. So DOMS is actually from little micro tears in the muscle that'll eventually lead to inflammation, weakness, tenderness, and pain. Let me just dive a little bit into exactly what happens in the muscles scientifically during DOMS. So there's sarcomeres, which is a muscle fiber, and Z-lines surround those. And these are aligned before you exercise. After exercising, though, biopsies will show that there's muscle damage of these sarcomeres and in the tissue, and the immune system works on these while your body repairs the damaged tissue in there. And after the healing process does its job, and you're not sore anymore... What really happened is that your body repaired the tissue to form these new and improved sarcomeres in the muscle. And those are new and healthier and have improved integrity. This is basically why DOMS goes away after repeated bouts of exercise. At first, when you work out, you're going to be sore for a few days. There's no real way around that. But if you stay consistent and work out most days of the week and have been doing so for a while then you may not even get this soreness, or DOMS rarely happens. So DOMS can happen for a few different reasons. Like I said, if you're new to lifting, then this will likely happen to you for the f uh, at least the first time, or it could happen all the time if you're one of those people that work out for a few days, take a long break, like a week off maybe, and then work out again. And then they'll tell themselves that they had a great workout since they're feeling so sore the next day. And that could be true, but it doesn't mean the opposite. It doesn't mean that if you're not sore the next day that you didn't work out hard enough. Especially if you've been consistently working out and if you're still making progress. DOMS could really happen to anyone though. It just happens more in newer lifters because working out sends your body kind of a shock and you'll be causing these micro tears in your muscle and activating your muscles, which could be kind of a new stress on your body. But it could happen to anyone, even experienced lifters or experienced and fit people who work out. Maybe if you do a new exercise or just decide to go more intense than usual during a session. Chances are if you've worked out, you know what I'm talking about and you've felt this before. So now that you know what DOMS is, how do you get rid of it or eliminate it completely? Well, at first, there really is no way of getting around it. If you don't work out consistently, then you're going to experience this feeling where whatever muscles you worked on at the gym are going to be sore the next day and maybe for a few days. You can, though, kind of reduce the impact of DOMS by stretching after the workout, but that'll only help a little bit 
And even then, there is actually some research that suggests that it barely helps. Personally though, I think it is still a good idea to do some sort of cooldown or stretching post-workout. I think active recovery is probably the best thing you could do, and massage could also help as well. Another way that's thought to get rid of DOMS is resting all the time, and ice. And ice could help if there's swelling, but keep in mind that ice could actually slow down recovery and muscle building benefits because of the way the ice contracts muscle and restricts blood flow and blood vessels in the area. That's why I only suggest icing uh, the area if it's really swollen and painful. And with rest, that doesn't mean lie down or sit down on the couch all day. That's actually going to make it worse. If you just sit down all day and relax for too long while having DOMS, that could actually make the pain and stress last longer. And that's why active recovery is going to be the one of the best things you could do. If, for example, your legs are sore, just go for a walk or something where you're moving and that'll stimulate more blood flow and circulation to that area and will actually inhibit more recovery. Doing things like mobility drills will also be great there too. Don't underestimate the power of water when it comes to recovering from DOMS as well. There are countless benefits when it comes to drinking water, and it can also help you recover faster from the soreness as well. Remember that your muscles are made up of nearly 80% water, not to mention that it makes up most of your body and organs, so drinking more water, uh, water could help aid your body in that regard. And of course, you should already know that sleep is going to be an important one in the process of recovery as well, so don't forget to get consistent nights of good sleep as well. So there you have it. If you're new to exercising, then DOMS, those little micro tears in your muscles, it's going to happen. You're going to feel sore for a few days, but your body will recover itself eventually. To speed up the process, drink lots of water. Seven to nine hours of good sleep will help. Active recovery is a huge one. Massages uh, and stretches could also help a little bit. And you can pretty much eliminate it altogether by being consistent with your workouts for a few months. And that concludes episode 34 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about if you should stop eating at nighttime and how to stay fit during the pandemic.